I'm Maggie. And I'm Megan. And you're listening to... So, I quit my job, now what? A podcast about, well, quitting your job. And all of the anxiety and fear that build up before quitting your job. And all of the outcomes, good and bad, after quitting your job. Welcome, everybody. Um, We have a guest with us today. Her name is April. I met April through the co-starters program that I completed very recently. She was the instructor, the teacher for this, this cohort, and she was incredible. She's a great, great teacher, a great speaker, and made that experience pretty awesome. Um, so I'm biased, but she's probably the best teacher out there. Um, she's also an engineer for TVA and obviously uses a completely different side of her brain because when she's not working for TVA, she is an artist and she works with a lot of different types of art and she teaches art, but she also teaches other things too on the side. So, um, I'm going to just stop talking and let April introduce herself and tell everybody about herself. So April, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, So I am April Corbett. I am approaching 20 years in my career as an engineer. So I have been doing that for just under 20 years. At the end of 2020, it will be 20 years. And um, like you said, I consider myself a polymath. I got to the point in life where I felt it wasn't right to put myself in a box because I have so many interests. Um, I do a lot of art, like you said, um, in addition to my day job. Uh, Recently, probably the last two years is when I started facilitating the co-starter program and started um, coaching people on building their business. I do own my own business. It's called Upstate Mississippi. And I consider it a planning and productivity business. And by that, I teach people how to use planners. That's originally how my business kind of kicked off. I teach people how to use planners. I custom design planners for people. But I also help people in general with their productivity and how to get things done. I kind of started on this journey years ago after reading a book called To Do, Doing, Done, and it completely changed my life in terms of planning and how I use planners. And as I got better at using my planner and started doing all the things, as you said, people started taking notice and people started asking me to teach them how to do more because they always say, how do you get so much done? How do you have time to do so much? And so I started teaching people how to use their planners, how to get more out of their life. Um, Because I do like art, I do like to make things. I do tend to um, end up helping people with events helping them with their weddings. Weddings are not my favorite, but I do love decorating for events and planning events and doing all the things. Awesome. That that in a nutshell is me. (laughs) So when we first started surfacing this idea of quitting a job, I can't remember if it was like, I followed you on Instagram and then it was maybe just like a rabbit hole of like, Oh, we do all these other things. Um, 
you told me that you are actually writing a book because yes. of quitting a previous job. So mm-hmm. why don't you just tell us about the content that you've been able to create to write this book and what the premise of this book will be and how you think it will help people. Yes. When I graduated or before I graduated from college, our, the dean of the electrical engineering department, Dr. Charles Smith, would always tell us, your first job won't be your last. He always told us that. And so it's something that was always in my head as I started my career. So I knew to expect some shakeups over time. I knew it was coming. But then I got hired with, actually I got hired with TVA. They were the first company I ever worked for directly out of college. Got hired with them and I am in this company and in a work group with people who have been working for the company 15, 20, some of them almost 30 years. They've been with the company for their entire career. And so it was easy during that time to get comfortable, get relaxed, and forget those words from Dr. Smith, your first job won't be your last. Five and a half years into that job, the company started talking about doing layoffs and they talked about starting to pare down on our engineering group. And whenever we had discussions, they would have an all hands meeting and they would say, well, we're not going to, you know, it'll just be a few people. Um, it won't be everybody. You know, they, they just kind of prepped us for what was coming. And even some of the, um, some of my coworkers who had been with the company for years, they were like, oh yeah, the company, you know, they do these maneuvers every few years, switch things up, change people around. Some of my coworkers had been working in the Knoxville office Um, Their office was disbanded and and some of them now lived and and worked in Chattanooga. Um, And some of them actually never moved. Some of them would commute every day from Knoxville because they were kind of prepped for whatever the next shakeup was. They had just learned to stay flexible. So we all kind of expected... um, some of us to be laid off, but we, we thought it would be the higher salaries. We thought it would be some of the people that had been around the longest. And it's so funny because some of us will get together and we always talk about the day we went to that all hands meeting and they told us we were all getting laid off. The entire work group was getting laid off. And At the end of the meeting, they had a long table set up right outside the room. Everybody got a binder. And I remember opening the binder and the first line in the binder was, you have not been fired. Uh, But we all got laid off. They gave us 60 days to find another job. We still showed up every day to work for 60 days. And our, our main goal was to find another job. That was my first layoff. I have since been laid off three times. I've quit twice and I have um, done an internal transfer or requested a move to another office twice now. So um, 
shifting and changing jobs, changing locations in my career has just become a part of what I am uh, and a part of my story. And so I wanted to start talking about this because there's a statistic that I, I really need to get my hands back on that I heard, had heard a long time ago. For every time an employee is laid off or a person is laid off, their chances for a heart attack increases every time. Every time you, your, your job situation is disrupted, that chance for a heart attack increases because of the anxiety that comes from that, especially for those people who have been in their jobs for 15, 20 years, and then all of a sudden they are facing a layoff that anxiety is really high for them. They've never been in this situation where they needed to look for another job or they needed to consider going to another city. And so it's very disruptive for them, especially those employees who have school-aged children, um, children that are close to graduations, they don't want to disrupt that. So that anxiety is very high. To kind of help combat that anxiety, I want us to talk about this more. Start talking about that professional breakup is what mm -hmm. I call it, because it's going to happen. We need to start fostering our, our work journey, our work relationships, just like we do our profession, our personal relationships. We need to treat them the same. No different than if you were in a marriage that was going for 20 years and then all of a sudden something started going wrong, you would seek help. You would try to figure out everything that you can do to either fix it or how do I adjust to the next relationship. Those same things that you would do in your personal life, you need to apply to your professional life as well. Yeah. And you need to be ready for it. Um, and you need to go through counseling for it if necessary. In your opinion, why isn't that normalized yet? I mean, I think maybe the millennial generation is getting a bad rap for that, but I don't think that's necessarily fair, right? Because it's not fair because that's that's where life is going right now. Right. That's where you have so many companies, a lot of companies don't even bring on full-time staff, they just bring on contract contractors, staff. bring on contract staff, because if, if something happens, you can um, let people go quickly. Mm -hmm. And so the way that a lot of millennials are, are working and navigating this workspace is actually perfect because they are ready for those changes. If something happens and you need to pick up and go to another city, they're ready for it. Um, it, all of those those different changes and maneuvers, they're ready and they're they're good to go. That's the way we need to be, and that's the way we need to prep people to be as they're in the workforce, especially yeah. the people who have been in the workforce for a while. Yeah, I could talk about that specific topic forever because I see a lot of resumes in my work, and for me, I'm. I'm not going to be biased against someone when I see that they were only at a company for a year. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, my, my counterpart who maybe is from a different gener generation has a bias and does mm -hmm. see that as a red flag. So anyway, yeah, um, that bias definitely still exists. Yeah. And it's, 
it's a hard conversation because a lot of people do still either they're holding on to that notion that I'm going to get a job with this good company and I'm going to retire from this good company. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be with them for years. They have that still have that idea in their head. And also companies are afraid to be honest sometimes about what they are facing. Yeah. When a company starts having financial trouble instead of them being honest with the workforce up front and saying, you know, we may have to um, do some maneuvering. Every now and again, you'll hear companies come out and say, oh, we need to right size. A lot of times they, they go through that, but they wait and inform the employees until it's way too late. Yeah. And they, they try to keep up this facade that everything is healthy and everything is good. Sometimes it's because they're a public company mm -hmm. and they want to make sure the shareholders don't get scared. Um, sometimes it's just because that's- They're the scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so with all of the numbers of layoffs and quitting jobs, anxiety obviously is a big thing. Mental health is a big thing. What- Tell, tell us about your support systems and how you stay, how you try to stay, you know, sane in check and sane. Yes. Yeah. It is, it is difficult. It, it, it gets especially more difficult um, the longer you've been working. I would say my career probably got to its hardest point at about, 15, 16 years, that's when it really started getting hard. And before I left um, my last job, before the one I'm in now, before I left that job, or as I was leaving that job, I started going to a therapist. And I specifically go to a relationship therapist. Because like I said, your, your relationship with your career is the longest relationship you're going to have, most likely. Unless you met your uh, life spouse when you were really young, before you started working, your job, your relationship with your career is the longest relationship. And like I said, I don't think we treat it um, with the gravitas that we should sometimes. So when it got to the point where me and my career were having issues with each other, I started going to a relationship therapist. And so, and I talked to her about my job relationship issues as if this is, you know, a partner that I've had for years. Because when you get to a point where you pour so much of your life into something, we spend a lot of money to get in our careers. For those of us who have gone to college and got professional licenses, all the money and the time and the investment that you put into your career, if you get to the point where something happens in the workplace, whether it's um, harassment, um, age harassment, sex harassment, um, um, cultural harassment, um, different things can happen in your career that start to make you feel as if you're the problem. And the best kind of person to discuss that with is a relationship therapist. I also have a 
team of mentors that I go to. I always recommend people to find mentors that they can go to um, to discuss things with their career. Your mentors, and you should have multiple mentors. You should have a mentor that's in your industry. You should have a mentor that's not in your industry. You should have a mentor that's your same sex. You should um, have a mentor that's of the opposite sex. You should have a mentor that's of the opposite race. Um, I think all of those are factors. And some of those can overlap. Like you can have a female mentor that's of another race or, you know, vice versa. Um, but you definitely should tick those different areas when you are developing your mentor team, get as much diversity in there as possible. Because you wanna be able to discuss what you're going through from different angles. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. the best way to get it all. Such an interesting way to describe all of that. I've never thought about um, my job the same way that I think about a partnership, but I really like that. And I do too. I think it's, that's, um, important for a lot of people to hear. When did you have that realization? Because I honestly don't know that many people who, I think you might be the first person. Me too. That's told me, I view my career as a relationship. Therefore I see a therapist specifically specialized in relationships. Like that is genius. Mm -hmm. So when did you have that like aha moment? And you're like, yep. Okay. This is what I'm going to do. When my career started breaking my heart. Mm, man. That's when it happens. When you have that day, that that season, that company mm -hmm. that um, disrupts that relationship, um, it could drive you to believing that you're not worthy as a mm -hmm. professional. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have on the wall. It doesn't matter how many good performance reviews you've had in the past. It doesn't matter um, what your salary is, what your title is. It is possible for you to show up one day and somebody makes you feel completely worthless. And when you go through that, it is terrible, it is disruptive, and it is hurtful. And it hurts you to your core because yeah. you start to feel like, but I gave you my all. But you told me I was great six months ago. What happened now? Yeah. And, and sometimes, um, even when it's something not personal, you know, you have things that happened in the workplace that have nothing to do with you. I had a friend, um, who just finished a lawsuit where he had to sue his company for age discrimination. Mm. And there was an executive in the company that very openly said, in a few years, our entire workforce will be less than or under 40 years of age. So it was an open statement. It was an open thing. And so when he lost his management position and was knocked down it was really hurtful for him and he didn't know how to to grapple with this you know of how to deal with it and he really wanted to believe that uh, he could fight and get his job back and get his position back he loved the company 
did a lot of good work for the company. The company always gave him good performance reviews. The company always relied on him to do things. But the perception in certain areas of the company is that we don't want people over 45, 50 in our workforce. We want a young, vibrant workforce. I think that was some of the words that they used. They wanted young. They wanted vibrant. They wanted to have um, better agility. And instead of them seeing the value in having people in the workforce from all ages, they automatically started aligning those words with age. And so that put him out. Mm. And he, it, it was hurtful for him. It was really hurtful. And so when I would talk to him, the first thing I said is you need a therapist because that that's a relationship that's breaking down. And it took him a while to get to that point to see what I was saying. But I was like, when stuff like happens like that to you, you have to learn how to process it. Mm -hmm. And a relationship therapist is the best person to kind of help you process that. Yeah. That's so poignant and just like very wise. I'm, I'm hesitant, but I'm curious and I don't want to push too far, but I could tell, like, it seems like that was when you said it's ringing like very clearly in my head when it breaks your heart. That's mm -hmm. when I realized I needed to get a therapist. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about that actual experience? Like what the actual leading up to shit, my heart's broken right now. Mm -hmm. It was a number of things, you know, you has a working professional or anybody in general. One of the reasons why I teach um, vision board classes is that I try to get people to really identify for themselves what they want in their life, what they align with for their beliefs. Because if you don't have a clear concept of what you want in your life and how you want your life to go, you can get swept up in what everybody else wants and where everybody else wants to go. So I was working um, in a place where decisions would be made from a management standpoint that I didn't agree with. Um, there were times when things would be done to employees that I didn't agree with. There's a young lady that I mentored in my office. And when she first got hired, she was a young girl. She's early 20s. Um, and for some reason, she became a point of attack. The, the, it, multiple people in the in the workplace just decided something's wrong with her we're going to jump all over her mm -hmm. and from from I think the first thing that was really kind of just jarring to me I I, the, I was told that she fell asleep in a meeting and I was like really I don't <laughs> And, and what's so bad about it, it was my supervisor that told me about it. And, and 
I knew enough about him at the time. It's like, I need to verify. So I talked to somebody else that was in the meeting with her. This person said, no, she didn't fall asleep. They say it's a long meeting. I said, he said, if, if anything else, she hit me and woke me up a couple of times. Um, and so at that point, to me, this is a non-issue. This is a non-starter. I don't understand why y'all are making these statements about her. Two, I think it was two days later, some, another person in the office sat down and talked to me. And she said, well, I was in the meeting um, and I saw her. I could see she was, um, you know, following along with the meeting. You know, she's new. She doesn't know all the terms that are being thrown out. But she's following along with the meeting. You know, if, if somebody in the meeting cracks a joke, she laughed. Um, but her eyes were not open enough. were not open enough her eyes like this that is was a statement her eyes were not open enough but um, also as a supervisor wouldn't you think the first thing to do would be to go to that sweet girl and say is something going on are you not sleeping are you okay instead of ratting her out to other people and making it this whole huge but that thing? And see, this this leads to so many other discussions because there could be a number of reasons why you look at somebody and think their eyes aren't open enough. She was very aware at the meeting. There was nothing wrong with her. She wasn't she wasn't in a place where she was tired or anything. It was just that. Um, Are y'all getting this noti notification? I do see that. That's why I just saw that. I know. I. I think what we'll have to do is just pause and then restart. Okay. Because then I can splice it all together in GarageBand so it'll feel seamless. But sorry, I didn't even realize that. Okay. You want to stop now or you want to go? Um, let's go for another nine minutes and then we can, so we can get a fresh 30. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, but no, I talked to this young lady and I talked to, you know, other people in the meeting um, but like I said, there are other, there's different cultural reasons why somebody eyes could not be open enough. Somebody could have a disability of some kind. Mm -hmm. He was brand new to the workforce. Nobody really knew a whole lot about her. So we don't know her background. We don't know her physical issues, any medical issues. If somebody is Asian, you could look at them and say, you, you know, there don't are even get me started. Yes, there are so many different reasons. And when I heard that statement, I was so offended and I was yeah. so hurt. How bizarre. Yes, but they were putting me in the position to mm -hmm. act on it. Yeah. Like, you want me to do what? what so you what just are you wanting me to do about this young lady who was perfectly fine. So you started all this fire, but here, now you have to go tend to it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And there were, there were times where I was put in situations like that where these invalid things would come to me, these invalid comments. Mm -hmm. But if it was anybody else in the company, they had been trained to act. So anybody else would have like put her down or said something or tried to correct her behavior when to me there was nothing to correct. Wow. Um, and so I was constantly being put in those situations and I said, no. And they did not like that. And once I started saying no, then I started getting attacked. 
then I started getting labeled as the difficult person mm -hmm. or, you know, I even um, was asked once because this particular company had a habit of requesting um, people to work hours outside of the 40. When I, right before I left, the requirement was you shall work for uh, 60 hours a week, 20 hours for free. Uh, no. And when us older, when us older engineers who had been around for a while started questioning that, like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Um, the younger engineers, you can get them to, to do things. Your younger employees, if your employees feel like they don't have any options, um, they feel stuck, they feel like, oh, I don't want to change jobs because somebody may have that perception that I quit under a year, so I don't want to quit. Um, younger engineers who are going for their... Um, their professional engineering license. You have to work four years before you can sit for the exam. Mm. You need that first company to give mm. you um, your, your letters and everything that you need for that exam. You just, you know, up and yeah. leaving a company under four years gets a little dicey when you know you need to go and get your professional, sit for your professional exam. They maximize on things like that. There's and so they had, with that. Mm -hmm, the younger engineers would just work because they felt like I have no choice. So as you know, it was up to us older engineers to speak up and say, no, we don't think this is right. You know, we had less to lose. Or, you know, if we lost our job, it's easier for us to go and find a job than it is for them. So we would speak up. Mm -hmm. um, I was once pulled aside and asked not to speak in our um, all hands meetings anymore. Uh, and I was like, excuse me? Like, yeah, like yeah. What? Please don't it's, speak at all? Yes, don't speak at all. You're not allowed um, to ask any questions kind of a thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If wow. I was, if I disagreed with anything, I was to come to this manager personally in his office behind closed doors. And matter of fact, don't talk about it at your desk either. Um, because the younger engineers may hear you. Wow. Yes. And when things start happening like that to you, when people start treating you a certain way, it 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 messes with you a little bit. Even even when you know you did nothing wrong, mm -hmm. those constant comments and that constant living in that culture where you're always wrong for some reason, regardless of what you do. It, it gets to be depressing, oppressive, and just um, it's so hard. It's just yeah. so hard to deal with. I've been in that situation. It's like, cre like developing an inferiority complex is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it's even though in your right mind, you're like, I did nothing wrong. I'm doing nothing wrong. Yet I still feel very worthless because... Yeah. Is because everyone keeps saying these things to me or telling me not to speak or not giving me a platform to use my voice when I clearly should have one. And it's, yeah, it's really crappy. And it takes a while to build yourself out of that too. It does take a while. And I'm now um, past that company. I no longer work for that company. But 
I still, that anxiety that built up while I was working in that culture still plays with me. And so I still see my relationship therapist because I want to make sure this is one of those situations where you have to make sure your past relationship doesn't impact right. relationship. Yeah. It doesn't matter what this guy did to you 10 years ago. You can't let that impact how you treat your husband today, you know? So that's why I said we still have to treat this like, just like we would any relationship, just like we would advise people when they are in personal relationships. It's that same advice we should apply to your professional relationships. So wise. In a similar vein, April, um, you know, you guys, the older engineers were, you realized you guys had to be the ones <clears throat> to speak up and say something and, and express your concerns. In the current context that we live in right now people are in jobs they work for companies hopefully and hopefully their companies and their leaders are expressing their views and standing up for things as well mm -hmm. so what would you say to someone who's working for someone maybe it's a small company maybe it's a massive company but their leaders have failed to address anything what what do we I mean, that's, what do you say? What, what, what would you say to someone who's like, why is my leadership not acknowledging anything? One, you have to be comfortable challenging what you see. There's different ways of doing that. And there's, you know, there's uh, different methods of doing that. Sometimes it's easy to do it depending on the company and how receptive you think they are. Um, sometimes it's not possible, but I do think you have to um, speak up whenever you feel comfortable. Um, if you feel like you're in a situation where you could lose your job or you could end up on um, the wrong side of the situation, then I would say make a plan and don't be afraid to walk. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to leave that job. If you know, especially if you know it's a company that does not align with your core beliefs, it will do more damage to you to stay than it would um, for you to just up and go. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I always try to get people to understand it's okay to walk away. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people that for so many reasons, start to think they don't have any options. You have options. You may not want to um, explore certain options or you may not think it's available, but there are options to you. And, and the best way um, you can find out is start talking to other people, start getting out there. Um, for professional people, have a LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn, um, and I recommend everybody to always keep their resume updated on LinkedIn. If you really want to know how many options you have, update your LinkedIn profile because the recruiters will find you. Yes. You don't have to do anything other than keep it updated, and they will come to you and say, hey, 
I saw your background. I saw, you know, I saw some of the things that you've done over your career. And I think you would be perfect for our company. Mm -hmm. um, let them come to you and have those conversations. If there's a recruiter that sends you a connection request, always say yes. Um, because even if they are presenting a um, job that's not right for you now, when you are responsive to them, they will come back to you. Yep. Um, I have recruiters that will reach out to me and say, hey, if this is not right for you, can you recommend it to somebody else? And I try to do that as much as makes sense. Um, that starts to get you that confidence that I do have other options. I have other companies that are interested in me and that'll kind of get you to the next step. Then you have to really explore what you're willing to do to be happy in your career. Too many people get stuck on, I don't want to move or I don't want to go to that city. I don't want to travel. I have been in several situations where um, I have not, I did not see my house really for four years once because my job needed me in other places. Um, one job uh, had a, an agreement with a larger company. Um, the state of Georgia has a program for especially small minority businesses where they will connect them with larger companies. And the company I was working for at the time, and I want to be very vague about my different, even though somebody can look at, look at my LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. profile and see where I've been at all the different times. But I do want to be a little bit vague because sure. I don't want companies to feel like I'm trying to out them or say anything about them. But I did at one time work for a small minority firm who was connected in this mentorship program with a larger company. And that larger company said, Yes, we will give you work, but we need you to send somebody to our house, stay with us for six months, and then that person can go back and train your workforce. And so I had to go for six months and work in Atlanta with this larger company for six months, and then I could come back and train our workforce. And so every week, every Sunday or Monday morning, I would drive down to Atlanta live in the hotel for the week, come back on the weekend. Um, I know a lot of people that would not have done that, um, but I did that. Um, the next job I had, I was a project manager. I had to travel all the time. Um, I was in Pittsburgh a lot. I lit, I even, uh, I think that at that time, I thought it was a lot, but it was nothing. I think I lived in the hotel for like a month. And so rather than fly there, I drove up so I could take my sewing machine with me. And so I had my sewing machine in my hotel room so that when I was not working, I could work on some other projects or I could do some things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I know a lot of people that would not have done that. Mm -hmm. Another job, um, um, a company moved to town. I got hired with them. And as they were starting to beat the bushes and get work from clients, they were not getting work that was electrical. And so I really didn't have anything to do. Um, they loaned me out to another company in DC 
and it was supposed to originally be, I think it was originally supposed to be two months, that two months turned into six months, which I lived in the Hilton for six months. And after that six months, they wanted to extend it again. And I requested, I was like, okay, now I need to get an apartment. Mm -hmm. And so I lived in DC for two years. Wow. So it's like, I mean, you make such a good point because it's so easy to just think that the grass is greener. And in some cases it truly might be, but how far are you willing to actually go to get to that other side? And it sounds like you just put yourself in a situation where you're like, well, if I want it to be better, I'm going to have to consider these options and I'm going to have to be gritty and I'm going to have to be adapt adaptable. Yep. Cause even when you find, you may find a job that's right here in your area, your company may, you know, like I said, my company couldn't find any work that was in my specific area. And so they had another company that said, Hey, can you share resources with us? And I was willing to help the company fulfill that mission. So you have to be willing to step into some of these situations. And it all worked out for me. Every move I made in my career was better for me. Every move I made um, made me more money. It gave me greater opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so I don't regret any of it. But I know a lot of people that were like, well, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go live in DC for two years. Mm -hmm. That takes away your options. If you truly want to um, be in a better place, you really got to look at some of those other options. And if that option has you leaving town, you have to decide, am I willing to do that? Now, I did get to a point later in my career where I was leaving a job and I really decided at that point I wanted to sit still for a while. So I didn't want to leave Chattanooga. And so at that point, I did close off some options that were not in this area because I specifically wanted to stay here. And there are times when you you may decide that's what I want to do, but you have to be strategic about when you do that and how you make that work for you. But I never want anybody to believe that they don't have options, that they can't um, get hired with another company. Okay. You may not have any options specifically that will keep you in the place where you live now, but I guarantee you there are options out there for you Mm. and you, you need to decide if your sanity is more important than your neighborhood. For sure. I, would really like to hear more about the sewing machine and (laughs) (laughs) um, how you use art, it sounds like, as one of your stress relievers and Mm -hmm. just about how you got started with all of that. Is it something that you've, have you always been an artist or did it come out of needing something to get your mind off of other things? I blame it on my mother. When we were younger, uh, we tried the Girl Scouts for a while, but the Girl Scout troop in my town um, were pretty much only active when it was cookie season. They really weren't active outside of that. And my mother was like, no, we we know y'all need to be busy. And so she started a 4-H club 
just for me and my sister and our friends. So we would have something to do. That's awesome. And through the 4-H club, we did pottery. We did um, painting t-shirts. Um, we would do all the 4-H events where we would give presentations. I, I credit 4-H for a lot of my speaking ability and me being up, being able to get up and speak in front of crowds because I used to do those presentations in 4-H. We would have to go to the library. We did our own poster boards and projecting images and, and making these really nice poster boards. And so a lot of the art came from that. Um, so she always kept us busy. Um, when she was tired or she wanted the house to be quiet, you need to go find you a corner. So she would say, go find you a corner and find you something to do. And so we always had something to do. And then as I graduated from college and, you know, had my own house, whenever I had free time, I just kind of naturally gravitate, gravitated to some of those same things. Some of the same things that I always did when I grew up, I just started doing. Um, and eventually that turned into, you know, I can do it. Let me teach other people. Like people will say, oh, you so... And you know, people always want you to make stuff for them. Oh, you so can you can you make this dress for me? No, but I can teach you how to do it. How about mm. that? How about I teach you how to use the sewing machine? And so that kind of started that out. And that that started me teaching people how to do stuff. Um, but it wasn't really until the chattery existed, which is a nonprofit here in town, that my teaching kind of ramped up. Um, what, what are all the classes that you teach at the Chattery? I'm a big fan of, of them. So tell everybody what you do, all the different classes that you offer. Um, the ones I teach more consistently, I do um, vision board classes every year. Um, I do um, painting classes. I love gouache. And so I teach gouache, the paint medium. I teach that class. I'm not... I'm not, and see, this is where people get caught up in thinking they have to be perfect at something. I am not a classical artist. I cannot like sit down and paint you some great masterpiece. I'm more of an abstract artist. Um, so I love playing with different mediums. So I can't sit down and teach somebody how to paint a house but I can introduce you to the medium and show you some of the things that are great about the medium. And so that's kind of how I tackle some of the things that I teach. Um, I teach a lot of memory keeping this year, um, especially who knew coming into this year, <laughs> this year I came in with a desire just to keep, um, do better about my own memory keeping about keeping memories about things that are important to me i used to be a scrapbooker but because i don't have kids i don't print a lot of photos and so i don't always have a lot of things to print um to go in a scrapbook but there's a smaller way to do that with memory keeping because if something happens to me, you know, I, I live in Chattanooga. None of my family live here. I don't, I don't have any family here. So if something happens to me, there's a lot of my life that they're really not 
privy to. Mm -hmm. They won't know who all of my friends here were. They won't know the things that I loved to do here and a lot of what really filled up my days because they just see me holidays, vacations. They don't see me every day. And so I wanted to start recording some of the things that I do every day. So I do teach those classes. And who would have known 2020 turned into a year where we probably do need to be capturing mm -hmm. our memories more than anything. Mm -hmm. Going from the pandemic to the civil unrest, there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of people eager to tell their stories. Yeah. And a good way to document your own story and tell your perspective is to do memory keeping. And so I do that as well. And I've got one of those classes coming up here soon. What's the difference between memory keeping and scrapbooking? Or is there a difference? They're kind of the same. It's okay. just memory keeping, you can look at it has a more um, not so structured form of doing okay. scrapbooking. Cool. Um, you can do it I've actually got, I can't reach it. One of my journals right across the table from me. I can grab it. And it's just a notebook. And this is, a, oh, this is actually a notebook that I designed. Oh, cool. Um, this cover is, was a page in my art journal. And I photographed it and then made it the cover of notebooks. Um, um, that's but, what I was yeah. gonna say. Memory keeping to me sounds kind of like what I learned as an art journal. Like, and it, and really, it really is. It is kind of an art journal and you can do yeah. mixed media because this, this has paint and stamping in it. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Um, my family has been, um, my, one of my cousins on my dad's side of the family started a family group chat. There's 38 of us in this group chat. It gets absolutely oh, wow. crazy. But I love the way everybody like shares a photo of their day. And so this is like my cousins, uncles, and aunts sharing photos of them in their face masks as they go out to work or go to a doctor's appointment and how they're keeping safe. Hmm. So there are things about what's going on with us right now that we may want to remember. And this is a good way of doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, I love your use of mixed media. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah. I think it's this is awesome. all, like this one is all paint in the background here. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. I love that you teach all those different classes and that you are utilizing your passions to help inspire others. With that said, Going back to when you graduated from college and you were entering the workforce, pretend you're writing a letter to that person. Give that person advice or hope or insight or whatever. <laughs> um, that's so interesting because some days it doesn't feel hopeful in the way. I and that's okay. Hope. Yeah, that's okay. Because and and. If nothing else, I would expand on what Dr. Smith told me. Your first job won't be your last job. And that's okay. Um, there are so many opportunities out there. What you are walking out of here thinking you're going to do is, is nowhere near where you're going to find yourself in a few years or even a few months. 
life is ever evolving and ever changing and just be flexible and willing to change with it and have fun with it. Don't get too caught up in everybody else's expectations. The, the best thing you can do for yourself is move to a place where you're by yourself. It's not necessarily um, any of your family around and determine what you want your life to be, mm-hmm. not what everybody else thinks your life should be. Mm-hmm. And just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Have fun with it and be ready to move. And don't be afraid to walk away. It's okay to walk away. If something doesn't work out, walk away. Mm-hmm. If something doesn't align with your values, walk away. Yeah. It's going to be fine. But it, it starts with knowing who you are, knowing what your values are, and knowing how you want to live your life, not what everybody else says. So good. Love Snaps. <laughs> All right. Last question. Who would, or what would your personal slash professional, maybe they're different life sponsors be? My life sponsor. In what way? What do you mean? Like like for us, our, um, the, the pods sponsors are therapy, beer, and yoga. Oh, other people have said cheese dip. Cheese to yeah, some people said someone said queso. Um, I'll tell you. I posted I, said, a post, <laughs> I posted a post to Instagram last night and I admitted that I am going through this time of high anxiety. And I said, all I want to do right now is climb into a fluffy bed. Just leave me cake, whiskey, and a hot cup of tea. Yes. on the bedside table and everything will be fine yes so those it. four <laughs> things a fluffy bed a piece of cake a glass of whiskey and a hot cup of tea that's awesome i will accept all of those it sounds like a hottie toddy could could eventually come from two of those it, and you could you could kind of mix that together and get you a nice hot toddy yeah hot toddy with whipped cream in bed maybe oh mm-hmm. oh um meg do you have any love it any other questions anything Um, I think you did such a beautiful job of just tangenting and coming full circle and I loved listening to your story thank you for having me yeah I really love your perspective and hope that I can take personally some of the things that you suggested absolutely (laughs) thank you for having me yeah this is my year where i am determined like i said at the end of 2020 it will be 20 years in my career and this is the year to really start talking getting out there telling people what i've learned what i've picked up over the years and encouraging people to walk away and build the lives that they want for themselves when can people expect the book Cause I'm going to read that as soon as it is available. I'm going to pre-order that. Thank you for pressuring me. Cause I really need <laughs> to get that done. I really need to um, make that a, a focused effort and get it finished. I already have talked to an editor who's interested in it. I've already got probably about half of it written. 
I just need to stop um, procrastinating and being doubtful in my message and get it done. And I think one of the ways that I can get out of my own way is to continue to talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things too, to tell people is that um, when you are doubtful of yourself, talk about what you've seen, what you know, um, and get other people's perspective. And at the end of the day, that can start to help you get past your own roadblocks and be the inspiration and the light that you know you can be. Mm, that's beautiful. Well, well said. Um, tell people where they can find you on the internets. They can find me at www.upstatemississippi.com and it's Upstate Mississippi because that's where I am originally from. I am originally from Upstate Mississippi. Um, I am Upstate Mississippi on Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. And we'll put all of that in the show notes as well. With that, um, gosh, April, thank you so much for joining us and spending an hour with us. You have incredible stories that all fold into your greater story. And I can't wait to personally just see where you continue to go. Um, but thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. We are so grateful. Thanks, thank April. you. Okay. Bye everybody. Um, we will have hopefully another episode in a couple weeks for you guys, but thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to so I quit my job. Now what for more information about us, follow us on Instagram at so I quit my job now what or on our website so I quit my job now what.com for additional resources and additional episodes thanks guys <laughs>